Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Hey, everyone. It is good to be with all of you today. It is Fall in Wyoming, which means it is cold outside, it is snowing, it is windy. That's Wyoming, right? It is good to be with all of you, no matter whether you are next to a comfy fire watching online, whether you are with me here in the room, whether you are friends over at the prison in the jail, it is great to be with all of you. It is No Shave November. That's what we're celebrating here at uh, at Church 307. And I'm not sure if you can see it. I've been growing it. It's looking good. It's getting out there. Uh, You know, and it's funny for me because I I got scared about a week and a half ago that whether I was going to be able to do this or not. Uh, As some of you are aware that I ended up uh, having a stay in the hospital. My heart uh, had some issues. And so when I went into the uh, hospital, it's amazing that how they, they want to monitor your heart. And so they end up sticking all these little stickers over you to monitor your heart. Now, the fun thing with it is, is they gave me a choice. At each room I went into, they gave me a choice of putting those stickers on the, the little bit of hair that I have on my chest and then ripping them off or they shave, you know. And so I very quickly, uh, please shave. But don't touch the beard, right? Because I, every time I'd have to explain to them, we're doing this sermon series at our church and, and it's No Shave November. But what just amazed me as I gave this freedom to the hospital staff, I think they just must have spread the word around the hospital because it seemed like every time I would go from the one room, the ER, to the ICU, to the cath lab, back to the recovery, to ICU, every time I went to a new room, they needed to put new stickers on. And it seemed like every time they put a new sticker on, each one of them wanted to put the like a quarter inch this way or a quarter inch this way. And they so as I walked into came into the room, they were putting that razor on saying, we're ready. <laughs> and they just wanted to shave. And I, okay, I give you the freedom to do that, but don't touch the beard, right? Because it's no shave November. And I wanted the freedom to be able to have my beard. And we love our freedom. You know, we, we have the hospital staff loved the freedom that I gave them to take care of me. And I had the freedom also. I had the freedom to make a choice. You know, when on that Thursday morning when I woke up and my heart, it just didn't feel right. I had the choice. You know, I could have simply made the choice of sticking my finger in a light socket and hoping that would fix my heart. Or I had the freedom to choose to go to the hospital. My wife was very thankful that I chose to go to the hospital. And, you know, we all love our freedom, don't we? We all have just a little bit of William Wallace. William, fight! Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live! At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our... 
that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Oh, man, that stirs us, doesn't it? Man, I, I just want to go home and watch the rest of it now. I don't know about you. We, we, we love our freedom, don't we? we? We all have a little William Wallace in us. And the good thing is, as we find ourselves during this no-shave November when we have the freedom to grow our beards out, we're looking at the book of Galatians where Paul spends a bunch of time in different places, different ways, talking about freedom. And he wants us to know as Christians, we have that freedom. He starts it off with chapter five, starting in verse 13. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So seeing it, first thing we have to notice, he's talking to us as Christians. And this is going to play out later on in the sermon. So remember this, he's, he's writing to we as Christians, those who have received Christ in salvation. And he says, you've been called. This is not just a choice. You get there. You are called to live in freedom. That's awesome, isn't it? We love this idea as Christians that we receive this gift of freedom. Okay, now what are some of those freedoms? What does that look like for us in our walk of faith? Well, we're going to look at some of those four different areas of life where we as Christians have this freedom. The first one, it's we are free from the guilt of sin. We always need to start here. We always have to be reminded that Jesus loves us unconditionally and he died to give us new life. He takes that, the shame. He takes the unworthiness that we feel. He feels, takes all the yuckiness of our sin that are, that's plastered into our life because of those things that we have done that were not of God and the things that we should have been doing that God would have loved for us to be doing and all the sin that others have heaped on us all the yuckiness of that sin, Jesus comes in and says, I love you and I forgive you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. Yes, even you. The one of you that feels uh, not me, Jesus says, yeah, even you. You are forgiven. He takes all the nastiness of that sin. And as far as the East is from the West, it says it's just removed. It's taken from us. We are freed from the guilt the inside yuckiness of that sin, and it's removed from us. But we're not just of the guilt of sin, but also from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty? Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 8, where he says the wages or the penalty of sin, it's death. It's that eternal separation from God. It's hell. It's being removed from God completely. That's the penalty of sin. Now, the cool thing is that as a Christian, we we learn that Jesus took our place in that death. He died on that cross and took that burden from us. You know, what can it be like? Well, I think about, have you ever had a mortgage before? I know some of you have bought your own house before and you have this mortgage. And I remember back when I was a young guy and I, I bought my first house and I, and I had that sticker, you know, you, you buy your house, and this is how much it costs. And then after you sign all the paperwork, they give you this extra form and it shows you what the new burden is with that interest included in it. For the next 30 years and all that interest, this is what you thought you were paying and now you see how big the cost is actually gonna be. And when I saw that, I could still remember the weight that I felt. That's huge. That's, that's a humongous burden. Can you imagine as you think of that burden of some huge debt and all of a sudden someone's saying, hey, I got it. 
I'll pay that for you. Can you imagine what that would feel like? Well, yes, we can imagine because this is what it looks like. Every time we look at the cross, that's that penalty that Jesus paid, took our place. That was our cross. That's our death that we deserve. But Jesus took that burden and lifted it off of us. It's gone. That's what it feels like. So we are freed from the guilt of sin, from the penalty of sin. And then Paul, as he continues through this passage, he wants us to know that we are freed from the rigors of the law. And Paul talks a bunch about this throughout Galatians. And the rigors of the law, what is that? Well, rigors are that's the hardships. Those are those struggles that we face in life. So how do they come from the law? Well, the law was that gift that God gave to the people of God back through Moses when he gave those a little bit over 600 different laws or rules or principles that he gave to the people to help them to know God and to help them to know the better way to live. But Paul's aware that with that law that we can have what's the rigors. We can have struggles. And there's two primary ways. Paul says it this way in verse 13 as we continue. He says again, for you have been called to live in freedom. So we have that freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Now, depending on your translation, this might say flesh instead of sinful nature. And what is that? Sinful nature is this understanding that I want what I want when I want it to please me. It's about me. It's that selfishness that we have in us that just longs to have whatever's best for me. And that sinful nature then, Paul says, can add, depending on what we do with the law, can add these rigors, these struggles, these hardships of life that we face. And there's two primary ways that Paul would say that we could look at this. The first one is the idea that we have a license to sin, that we might allow the sinful nature to cause us to have this license to sin. Now, we know what a license is. You know, we, we love those pictures on Facebook or Instagram where someone, they get their driver's license and they have that post of them sitting behind the wheel of a car because now they have the driver's license. They have the freedom to start living life with that license. Well, license to sin is that person who takes that gift of salvation through grace and they see this thing called grace and wait, I don't deserve it, but you're going to give me salvation anyways. Well, that's cool. And wait, grace, every time I sin, I'm going to be forgiven. Dude, that's a license. I want that picture because then I have the freedom now to sin as much as I want, right? And that's what they think. But the rigors of that is you're still living in sin. You're still living with that sinful life and the struggles of sin. You're still dealing with it. But I got the card. I got the, the grace card. And I have that freedom to keep on sinning as much as I want. Well, Paul, it's in Romans chapter 6 where Paul has this conversation. He says, no, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? so that grace may increase my grace card. I use it and I just keep on sinning. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We, those of us who received that gift of salvation, we died to sin. We say no more sin. And from dying to sin, we then use our freedom for a better way of life. 
You know, Jesus, when he died to sin, he went into the tomb. He died to, for sin, and then he was raised to the new life. That's what we get. We use our freedom for a better way of life because we're dying to that sin. We don't keep using our grace card. Instead, we move forward into a better life with Christ. So that's the first way that we get messed up with our sinful nature that Paul would say. But there's another way that Paul would say, and that is the legal life of living the law. It's a bunch of L's. L-la-la-la-la. The legal life of living the law, that's when we receive that gift of salvation, but we still have that urge, that feeling that I still need to earn it. I still need to be good enough to get it. And Paul would have us say, no, that's, there's an, that's an impossible way. That's the rigors of the law that we just can't get there. It's kind of like, has anybody ever owned a fish before, a goldfish? Anybody out there ever had goldfish? A lot of you have. Well, have any of you ever tried to teach your goldfish how to play the clarinet? Doesn't that sound like fun? Can you imagine how impossible that would be? Now, some of you are going to try to go home and try to prove me wrong, and you're going to get your fish, and you're going to try to put a clarinet in there, and you're trying to prove me wrong. But it's impossible. And that's what the legal life is as well. We think that we need to, that we have to, that we have to show that we're good enough for that free, that for that grace, but we're not. It cannot happen. Paul wants us to understand that we have choices, that we can, if we want to, we have the freedom to try to sin all we want to try to get as much grace, but we have, there's a hardship with that. And he says we could, we have the freedom, if we wanted to, to try to legally earn our way into heaven, but there's a better way. There's actually a third way, and Paul jumps into that as we continue on. He says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up. He simplifies it because Jesus simplified it in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says we got to simplify things because Jesus tried to simplify things for us. Now, the the simplified way is simply loving others to walk away from that selfishness of sinful nature and look at the person in front of you and love them and serve them. When all else fails, you love. Paul's wise enough, though. He's smart enough to understand that he simplifies things, but it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Why? Because Paul understands that there's this war going on for us in our lives. And that's what he wants to talk about through the rest of the way as we look at this one other area of freedom, and that is that we are freed from the power of sin through the Holy Spirit of God. You see, as long as we're living here on this earth, there's always, always going to be sin around. And there's always going to be temptations for that sin. And the power, though, the power of that sin over our lives, for those who are in Christ, through those who are with the Holy Spirit, it lessens. You see, in our sin, especially before we came to know Jesus, our sin has power over us, and it showers us with things like fear and anxiety and depression and addictions and these feelings of worthless, just to name a few. And that that power over our lives, it, it burdens us and knocks us down. 
But as we come to know Christ, so much of that is lifted off of us. And for most of us, it's a journey because of the Holy Spirit. It's a journey of that power of sin in our lives lessening. I have less anxiety today than what I did before because of that journey with the Holy Spirit lessening that power of sin in my life. So what does Paul say to us then to help us on that journey? He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then he begins to share this imagery this imagery of this tug of war. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. We all, we, we have these good intentions that we want to follow Jesus, but there's this battle, there's this war going on. And it kind of, it's kind of like a tug of war, but it's an uneven tug of war. You see, because the Holy Spirit and our sinful nature, along with Satan and the temptations of Satan, they're going back and forth. Well, this is the Holy Spirit here with just one arm because it's God. He's huge. And he's all powerful. But the world, the sinful nature, they're all kinds of voices. Do you know what I mean? All those different distractions of life, they're all trying to pull at us and to get us to come back. They're all fighting. And so Paul sets this imagery of this tug of war and going back and forth. Well, let me illustrate this a little bit better for you. Can I have the two of you that I asked to come up? Mike, Darcy, can you come join me real quick? Or Sarah, you're coming up? Okay, I'll take the two of you. Come on up here. One of you stand here, and one of you stand over here. You want to stand there? You think that's what they're going to be? All right. Now, I'm going to ask you two to do something. Remember, I was in the hospital recently, so don't hurt me with what I'm going to be asking of you, okay? All right. So one of you is going to be the Holy Spirit, and the other one's going to be sinful nature. What do you think? Which one looks more like who up here? Holy Spirit's over here. All right, well, that's what the audience says. So you are, you are the Holy Spirit of God, isn't it? You like that? Is that good? And you then, you are sinful nature. Sorry, that's what they said. So, so you think about this. They then, they grab hold, they, they're longing, both of them are longing to pull me in their direction. But, but truthfully, they don't get to pull on their own. Now, they're, all, they're both wanting to fight for me. Holy Spirit, you, you've been fighting for, since the beginning of the world. You're not supposed to be pulling yet, Darcy. Don't hurt me, I said. But the Holy Spirit's been fighting for me from the beginning. He keeps showing up. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. You give us the word of God. You are amazing at how you're fighting to get us to come your direction. And then there's you. You fight dirty, sinful nature, you are constantly wanting to take me the wrong direction in, in the ways you do this. But here's the cool thing. They both have a hold of me. But as Paul shares, I have the freedom to choose which one of them will have the opportunity to pull me in their direction. If I want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, then I will let the Holy Spirit pull me and I will go the Holy Spirit's way. And the sinful nature has no power over that. But 
I also have the freedom that if I want, I can allow the sinful nature to pull me in that way. And all the Holy Spirit has lots of power. He allows me to go. Thank you, ladies. We have this freedom, Paul says, and we have this fighting going on on both sides where they're both longing to get us to go into their direction. But we have the choice which one we allow. So Paul, again, going back to verse 16, Paul wants to tell us, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Why? Because then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. They both long to be pulling us in those directions. And then, so what does Paul do? He wants to say, they're both fighting for you. You have the freedom to choose. Let me give you an understanding based on what you choose, what you're going to get. What are the results of my choice of who I'm willing to let pull me into their direction? And so what Paul does through the rest of the passage is he has two different buckets. And he pulls out these buckets and he begins to share these two different images of what our byproduct of which direction we choose, what it looks like. And so the first thing he does, he wants us to understand what our sinful nature pulls out. And he, so he says, when you follow these desires of your sinful nature, the results, it's clear. Let me, it, it's very clear, Paul says, and he starts sharing these attributes of the life lived within our sinful nature. And he starts pulling out these things like sexual immorality. Yeah, he starts off with the big one, doesn't he? And you know, it, they had it back then. They had brothels. They had peep shows. They had so many different ways to indulge in sexual immorality. We still have that today. And we have all those things, but we also, we've added to it the internet pornography and we've added to it the shows that we watch on Netflix and HBO that cause us to look at others and long for them. Paul says it's an attribute of our selfish nature, sinful nature. And he, he keeps pulling it out. He said, no, keep there. Huh. He said, can we go back? to the one right before. Yeah, he says, there's other things like impurity. There are lustful pleasures. Now, this is not saying that pleasures are wrong. God gave us this world and says, I want you to enjoy this amazing world. Pleasures are a good thing, but when they're lustful, they are then going to be hurting our relationships around them. They can be something as simple as a cup of coffee. You know, I love a good pleasure of a cup of coffee, but when that cup of coffee causes me to hurt relationships, whether it's my family because I'm spending so much money on my Starbucks that I gotta have my Starbucks, that it hurts my finances, my family over the course of a year. Well, that's a lustful pleasure. It can be a hobby. It can be anything in life that's a pleasure, but it runs our lives and hurts our relationships. Paul continues, he goes on, and the next one hurts this relationship. He says it could be idolatry, Pulls out another one. Idolatry is when we put anything between this relationship with God. It can be something like a sports team that we rise up and we say, this has more value, is going to be more intentionally of my time than spending time with God. So it can be anything that replaces my time, my energy, my focus of God. That's idolatry. Sorcery. Then he continues on the list and he starts to share these ideas of our relationships. And 
he's like the fly on the wall looking into our family, looking into our job site and seeing how we deal with our relationships. Hostility or being nasty to each other. Quarreling. We do that, don't we? Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Anyone? Anyone? Selfish ambition. This is the heart. Remember, sinful nature, that's our selfish ambition. So everything else revolves around the selfish ambition. That's our selfishness that plays out in how we live our lives. Dissension, division, or pushing people away instead of forgiving them and loving them and bringing them back closer together. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And then finally, Paul says, there's so many more in here, I'm done. And he throws all the other ones back in and he says, there they are. Other sins like these. And Paul says, that's the attributes of the life where you're willing to allow the sinful nature to pull you in that direction. Now, here's the thing. For for most of us in this room, maybe all of us, we look at that list. And again, that was just a partial list. Paul says there's many more. We look at that list and we think, wait a second. I'm on that list. I'm dabbling in some of those. And there might be one or two of them that you're like, well, that's me. I spend a lot of time in my fits of anger or my dissension or my selfish ambition. Paul says, we have a choice. And if that's what we choose, then those are the attributes of what our life is going to be like as we allow our sinful nature to pull us in that direction. And then Paul gives us a little punch in the gut. And he wakes us up as he finishes in verse 21. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, remember, were you on that list? Were you dabbling? Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, wait a second here. This just got really serious, didn't it? We will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, remember who Paul is writing this to. He's writing this to Christians. He's writing us this to the people who have received Christ as their Savior. So what is he talking about here? Well, when we say yes to Jesus and we allow the Holy Spirit to enter our life, although we're not in heaven yet, heaven, the perfection of heaven, paradise, that's going to be someday in the future for us. But what Jesus does, he begins to share some of the attributes of the kingdom life. And he starts to pour them into our life as he rips that guilt out of our lives. As he pays that penalty for us, he begins to share some of those attributes of the kingdom of God into our life. And Paul's going to, again, he's going to share that bucket here in just a second of what some of those attributes are. But he wants us to understand that When we are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our life, we receive portions of heaven, the kingdom life, into our life now. But on the flip side, if we're allowing the sinful nature to be the one that's pulling us in that direction, then the problem we face with that is that we're going to receive the attributes of the sinful nature, and we're going to be pushing some of those attributes of the kingdom life aside. Does that make sense? So what are those attributes that if we're following the Holy Spirit? Well, you might have heard some of these in the past. They're called the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the Holy Spirit, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to pull us into those areas of life, 
it produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And he pulls out the other bucket. Love. Joy. Peace. Are there any yet that you don't really want? Are there any of these that you're thinking, ah, I don't want that in my life? And it keeps going. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. There's no law against these things, Paul says. Those are the attributes of the kingdom. Those are the attributes that we receive as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We allow the Holy Spirit in that tug of war pull us into the Holy Spirit, the kingdom life. Which one sounds better, Paul says. You have the freedom to choose which one you will chase after. Which one will you choose? How? It's pretty obvious which one we should want to choose, isn't it? The kingdom life and pushing away all those things that the sinful nature leads us into, our selfishness. The kingdom life sounds better. So how? How do I make that choice to move that way? Well, I'm going to simplify it. Jesus simplifies things. Paul simplifies things. I'm going to simplify things. Two things. Choose the kingdom life. How? First, know him more. Know Jesus more. Because he makes our lives better and he makes us better at life by leading us into that kingdom life. Know him more. In this generation, goodness, it is easy. Okay, not necessarily easy, but it's simple. Because there are so many ways that God has given us the gift to get to know him. Whether it's our paper Bible, whether it's the online Bible that we can jump into, there's a video Bible. Watch the chosen and see the amazing story of Jesus unfold in front of you. There are podcasts. There are amazing books out there to help us know Jesus more. And as you get to know Jesus more and fall more and more in love with him, secondly, what did Paul say? Serve one another in love. Because that's counter that selfishness of our sinful nature. It goes against the sinful nature and it looks at the person in front of you and says, I will love you, I will serve you. I remember a conversation that I heard between a husband and wife one day that showed the perfect example of this. The husband said to his wife, I just can't wait for later this week. I'm going to have a day off of work. And she said, what are you going to do with your day off? And he said, well, there's two main projects I want to get into. The first one is my daughter's bike has been broken for a while and I want to get her bike fixed so she can just have the joy of riding her bike. And then when I'm done with that, my son has been wanting to go to the museum because they have a new exhibit there. And I'm going to take him and let him to see that new exhibit. And his wife looked at him and said, well, wait a second. That doesn't sound much like a day off for you. And he said, it is if you love your children. Do you see? Now he had a choice because he still could have done those two projects during the day. But if he did it begrudgingly, rolling his eyes in frustration, can you imagine what that sinful, selfish nature would lead to that day, he would be pushing aside those attributes of the kingdom life, like joy and patience 
and kindness with his kids. But if love, his love that he receives from God moves him into that day to simply want to serve his children because he loves them, it brings the kingdom life into that day. Freedom! You have it. We have the freedom that God gives to us to choose what life will we want to lead into. Lead with the Spirit. God, thank you for this gift, this gift of freedom that you give to us. Thank you, God, for the bigger gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God that you give to us as a possibility to allow the Spirit of God to guide us into our day-to-day life. God, help us, because this is not easy because Satan is so good at his job and our sinful nature just craves going that other way. So God, here we are longing for you to help us, to lead us into the kingdom life so that we might bless you and that we might find the attributes, the kingdom life. We pray these things in your name. Amen.